He is back. Of course, I'm talking about 24-7 sports. Stephen Brooks and boy, howdy, is there a lot to talk about. Let's just get right to it. Our Locked On Spartans, your daily podcast on the Michigan State Spartans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Spartan friends, Spartans, Spartan family, if I can get the words out of my mouth. Thank you so much for kicking off your day with us here at Locked on Spartans. Your first listen every single day because we're talking about the green and white. The team that struggled on Saturday, and we are going to get into that with Stephen Brooks of 24-7 Sports in a hot second. But first, hey, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast or YouTube channel. Any way you're consuming this content, we do really appreciate it. And also, LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com is the place to find us. All right, hey. After the game on Saturday, Michigan State flew home, and they actually watched the replay of their own game that they lost on the flight home. However, that is not the worst travel experience back from Seattle uh, anyone had, because I'm talking with the man who endured six flight delays on his way home, landed in Detroit at around 3.30, and drove through a driving thunderstorm on the way back to Lansing. And he's with us to join us today because he's simply the best. He's Stephen Brooks. Stephen, amazing to see you. How on earth are you doing? Happy Mel Monday, by the way, as you just got out of the press conference. So just wanted to share that as well. Right. Yeah. No. Hey, thanks for uh, having me again, as always. Uh, happy to be back. Glad I made it. A little dicey there for a while on, on several fronts. Um, look, you know, I, I know this is people's favorite is, uh, is reporter travel grief, but like, you know, my Sunday kind of played out like Michigan State Saturday. It was it was yeah. all three phases. You know, it was Seattle to Vegas to Detroit. There was something in every spot. Uh, it was it was a complimentary meltdown. You know, of, of my yep. itinerary. Um, so yeah, and you know, then the it was getting late in Vegas. I've been delayed six times, as you mentioned. And then the Raider fans started filing in from that game, and and it started getting dark. You know, uh, literally and figuratively. And it just, it was a bad scene. I was like, just give me home, please. I just want to go home so bad right now. Uh, oh, man. You're just starting to look up Greyhound bus tickets on the way from Vegas to Detroit. You know, eh, it should be able to get back by Thursday. Honestly, I'm like, who can come pick me up in Chicago? Can I get another flight here? Like, every possibility <laughs> ran through my head. Oh, man. Well, Stephen, we're glad you're here uh, because we. Look, we, we've got a lot to talk about, and even somehow, against all odds, even worse than your travel on the way back home, that's how the Spartans looked on Saturday. And before we get into the game, hey, just like I said, it is Mondays with Mel, his weekly press conference. Uh, the one takeaway I had is that he called himself a horse bleep coach. Uh, okay, that's strong words for Mel. But anything that you ta- uh, t- has have taken away from this press conference uh, that you just got out of on Monday? That was obviously the highlight for sure. I mean, yeah, uh, sure. he uh, he got fired up a couple times. Um, you know, he was asked uh, if if the passing yardage that Michigan State allowed, you know, with him coaching the corners, now does he take that any more personally? And he said, "Hell yeah, it does." You know, and he, he talked about you know his background and everything, and just how you sort of have to, you know, when he come when yeah. he came to the position coach, and, and that that never left him and everything. Uh, there were some other things just about that were in, semi interesting. I think about the film review. Um, he said they watched the uh, continuous copy where it's it just as it sounds, it's sequential from start to finish. You know, that might sound crazy, but like a lot of these uh, coaches, they're just watching spe- uh, very specific cutups, you know, like just third downs or just their position group or this or that, you know, very specific uh, packages of film. It's not always 
just turn on the game and sit there until the game's over. And, and but he said, at least for the first half, that's what they did today in a full team setting and, uh, you know, moved some things around in their schedule to do that. And okay. I think it makes a lot of sense because, um, you know, one of his things, complimentary football, like that was a, an ideal example of how that doesn't, it's how that's not supposed to look, uh, was what happened out there in Seattle when you had, you know, Great goal line stand from the defense. All right, offense, back us up. Oh, safety. Oh, well, okay, not great. Special teams. All right, well, come on, uh, let's get this back. Right. Oh, kick out of bounds. Ball from the 50-yard line uh, and Washington, you know, is, is back in business. So uh, there were a lot of moments in that first half, especially, that that epitomized, you know, the the lack of complementary football and, and, and the different phases not helping each other out. So totally understand why he did that, and uh, I think that obviously speaks to – you know where their heads are and, and what they're trying to how they're trying to refocus and, and regather here. Yeah, and I brought this up on yesterday's show, and if anyone listened to that as well, I apologize for saying this again. But like the game on Saturday didn't feel like the third game of the 2022 season. It just felt like what the fifteenth game of last season. It was more of the same automatic yards through the air. Uh, you know, just big back breaking third down conversions. It was it was more of the same. But also from the press conference today too. You know, just like you kind of alluded to, Mel Tucker said that. You know, it, we didn't have anything schematic that was the problem, which, oh, oh sure, okay. Uh, and also said, quote, twice as many missed assignments in the first half as we did the second half. Look, when it's this bad, obviously some of it's on the players, some of it's on the coaches. But if it's been going on this long, like, how can you not blame the coaches and coaching staff right now? I'm not looking for you to, you know, come on here and say, yeah, they should fire Scotty Hazleton. But, like, are, are like MSU fans like me in their rights to kind of, look at one guy here, if not two guys, if you want to throw Mel Tucker in, understandably so, at this point. Sure. Uh, real quick, I should have mentioned it to your last question. Um, he did say that there, you know, he, he suggested, I don't I don't want to uh, mix up his words or anything, but he, mm-hmm. Mel Tucker strongly suggested that personnel changes are coming in the back end, um, oh. in the secondary. That was something that was notable. I guess I probably should have mentioned that. And, okay. you know, sort of to, to your point, uh, that everything that we've been talking about, he called it a rat trap. You know, not rat poison like Saban. I thought that's maybe where he was going, but it's a term called rat trap. And he says it's where, you know, all we can practice two plus two equals four. It was his example. You know, two plus two equals four every single time. It never changing. And then they went out in the game and for some reason, two plus two equaled five or six or or God, you know, uh, Oklahoma. You know, it just it didn't match up from what they were being taught and, and what they showed and executed in practice. And that part, I'm sure, you know, as a coach has to be uh, frustrating. Anybody who's listening, who's done any type of coaching, especially at the youth level, I'm sure can relate to that. And uh, rat trap is his word for that. And and that correlates, too, to what he talked about after the game that I know we took a lot of grief for. And, and as soon as it left his mouth, I knew it was going to be received wrong. I, I knew what he was saying, and, you know, we can get into that. But when he talked about inches, death by inches is a phrase he used a couple times in Seattle, mentioned it again today. Um, and, of course, you know, that harkens right back to, to Mark D'Antonio and some of the struggles later in his tenure because that's a phrase he used a lot. Um, that, that, that's what he's talking about though. It's not, he didn't see an all encompassing, just meltdown, like it just across the board failures. He was saying that there was one guy here on this play, one bad technique on this play, one bad read on this play. And that's what you have. You know, you, if you do one bad, you know, one major thing goes wrong on 40 plays, then you're probably going to have, you know, 30 plus, uh, you know, bad results. You know, maybe yeah. you luck out of it and, and the, the the opposing uh, team doesn't capitalize or whatever. But that's what he's saying there with the rat trap and then the inches like those all these, these all blend together here. And it's it's like I said, that's that's how he is defining it is, is like 
one bad technique here, one guy out of position here. Not that it was the same issue over and over and over, or just like I said, an across the board uh, meltdown. So then what did you actually even ask me about? You know, Scotty, like, I look, I, I did think that this was a poor job by MSU's coaches. I didn't understand uh, the plan. And, and I didn't, you know, from what I can tell, I'm much more, I don't pretend to be like the X's and O's master, you know, or anything. I, I think I, I like to think I know what I'm talking about, but I'm not capable of sitting in those rooms with those guys and, and drawing up game plans, especially on defense is not my stronger hand compared to offense. But mm-hmm. even I was just baffled by the, what, what looked like a, a lack of adjustments. You know, it seemed like they just gave him the same, gave Penix the same looks over and over and over. And the, when I kept seeing the corners bailing out, bailing out, bailing out, and playing that cover three, and just giving them the cushion, giving them the five yard throws, giving them the eight yard throws, and all these things, um, giving them the flats, giving them the seams. You know that that are weaknesses in that in that uh, zone. It was confusing, you know. And again, I'm no genius. I'm no one's going to pay me a million dollars to coordinate a defense, but. My gosh, I just kept saying, are you at least going to challenge these guys at the line of scrimmage? Try, you know, because you're clearly not getting home against Penix. The, the pass rush was just negated. Uh, they want to get the ball out quickly. So what else can you do? You can jam the, the Jesus out of them at the line of scrimmage and hope, you know, hope that everything gets disrupted from there. Try not to let them uh, make those easy timing throws and just, just throw off the rhythm at that point. If you can't get to Penix and shake him, which, of course, they wanted to do and tried to do, um, then try it on the outside, you know, jam those guys and play a little more, man. They, they had man in there. That's why Cal Halliday was all the way out on the sideline against that running back yeah. uh, about the touchdown and, and whatnot. It's not that they didn't play any man, but man, it seemed, it just, it just didn't seem like they were switching up enough. And, and it seemed like they wanted to come in doing the same thing that they did to Michael Penning, or I'm sorry, to Derek King last year, where it was just sit back, sit back, sit back, Make him keep snapping it. Make him keep throwing it. Eventually, that mistake's going to come, and when it does, we're going to pounce on it. That's what they did in Miami last year, and it worked beautifully. Uh, but somebody who was around in 2019 should have said, "Hey, coach, Michael Penix isn't that guy. Um, he's not. He's probably not going to do that." You know. And so I just, yeah, I, I did think it was a poor coaching job, uh, to be quite honest. And you know, the execution was bad too. I mean, it was, it was, yeah. it was, there was, there was a lot to be uh, unhappy with. But yeah, I, I, I'm with the people that that are. Um, very confused about the the plan and the approach, no doubt. Uh, like, okay, I'm not going to yell, and not because you know I'm a rational adult, but no, it's because my kid's napping in the other room, and I don't want him to hear That's another yeah. daddy meltdown from this weekend uh, for the fifteenth time. But yeah, dude, like, I, I I'm losing my mind over the the pressure. Like, hey, for the four man rush, not getting home. Let's try to mix in a blitz or something like that. Or just like you said, maybe press coverage. Let the receivers work to get eight yards downfield to begin with. But yeah, it was just. It's insanity. It was trying the same thing over and over again, which was not pressuring Penix at all. And then that's why he just sat there and diced you up. I mean, it was not good. And, um, okay, you know what? We're actually going to get into an ad read here before I really start yelling. I'm just going to distract myself from this. But, yeah, you've said it uh, brilliantly. Talked a lot about it yesterday. And uh, we're going to try to flip a page here. I want to start next segment with the other side of the ball. But first, Steven, I just got to say bye to you really quick. I'm so sorry. But, hey. We have to talk about Upside Gang. That's right. From cringing at the pump to getting an eye-popping check at your favorite restaurant, inflation is hitting us all where it hurts. And my goodness, does it really hurt. Uh, That's why I started using Upside. Upside is an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or dines out. With every purchase, I'm earning cash back thanks to Upside. To get started, download the free Upside app, use my promo code LOCKED, and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. 
That simple. Next, claim an offer for whatever you're buying on Upside. Hit check-in at the business, pay as usual, and with a credit card or debit card, hey, you know, just pay it and you get the rewards. In comparison to a credit card rewards or loyalty program, you can earn three times more cash back with Upside. Upside users are earning more than a million dollars every week, and that's why they probably have a 4.8 star rating on the App Store. That's pretty high. Download the free Upside app and use promo code LOCKED. To get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more, again, that's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using promo code LOCKED. And as we welcome back to the wonderful Stephen Brooks of 24-7 Sports, hey, I just want to thank you all for making Locked on Spartans your first listen or watch every single day. A lot of defensive talk, no doubt about it. Uh, we don't have to get into it anymore. For now, we will get back to it, but right now... Steven, I think the majority of MSU fans were pleased with Peyton Thorne's performance on Saturday. Perfect game? Okay. No, absolutely not. That interception kind of close to Washington's end zone, not ideal. But overall, loved what I saw. But there is a vocal minority that was, like, not thrilled with how he played. Am I taking crazy pills? Like, I thought Thorne did as good as you could in that tough environment, especially under tough circumstances when your defense is almost kicking off the game having you down two possessions right off the bat. How did you like his game on Saturday? Please set the record. Yeah, I, I thought he bounced back in a big way. And, and Okay. As you said, I mean, the, the grittiness, though, that's what stands out to me. And, you know, whatever, you can make of that what you will. But I, I thought he would look – he played tough out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peyton Thorne, Keon Coleman, Daniel Barker, three dudes who just kept playing. You know, they kept yeah. playing regardless of the score. They gave them, you know, uh, 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 snowballs chance in hell, you know, at the end there to actually make something happen. Uh and uh, I, don't know, I probably I think I just misused that phrase, but they, those three guys kept playing until the you. end. He gave me some faith. Yeah, you knew what I was saying. Um, but, but yeah, and Peyton Thorne was getting beat up. You know, he took some big hits. He was running. You know, uh, just putting the offense on the shoulders, carrying it a couple times. Took some big hits. Got up. I mean, I I, I like sort of the warrior uh, elements he displayed out there. And you know, it wasn't the greatest game from him. There was one pass. Uh, I think it might have been to Barker. It was like a post route up the seam. The, whoever it was, the receiver was wide open and watching it live up there. I thought it got tipped and it just skipped like, you know, four or five yards uh, away from the guy's feet. And I don't, I, I don't believe when I looked up at the TV, I don't think it got tipped or anything. So that one was weird, but uh, you know, I, I did like the fight, the heart, the grittiness that he showed, the toughness, you know, uh, is probably the, really the word I should have went with immediately. Um, yeah. I like that. And look, I, wasn't perfect. Not not everything's cured, I don't think. But uh, that's that's definitely the response you want to see from him, at least elsewhere. Yeah. Oof, some yeah. problems. Yikes. Well, it, speaking of oof, some problems here. Uh, let's talk about the guys in front of Peyton Thorne. The offensive line. Look, hey, first two games of the season did fine again against Western and then against Akron. But hey, first big test against Washington. I don't think that a lot of people will give him a passing grade here, just 1.4 yards on the ground in the running game. And then, yeah, hey, Thorne was just sacked twice, but, yeah, was he getting hit? Yeah, was he running? Uh, he, he maybe logged seven yeah. and a half miles on the field. Scale of 1 to 10, 1 being, like, horrible, 10 being, like, oh, yeah, we got five future All-Pros on our line. How should MSU fans be feeling about the offensive line after the first big test this season, in your opinion? I mean, just based on that one, I mean, that was abysmal yeah, okay. across the board. That bad. That was, okay. I don't think, I don't think, you know, Washington's good, but I don't think they're um, a the dominant front or anything like that. Yeah, that yeah. that looked like that was on par with the worst of the D'Antonio, you know, the late stage oh. D'Antonio teams, 2018, 2019, 2017, whenever 
pick your low point there. And that was that was right on par with that. I'm not saying it can't get better, but just based on what we've seen with that sure. being the power five team, and I don't think Washington is this dominant run defense um, necessarily. It, it was that was highly highly concerning. And you, now you're talking about the biggest. I wrote something on this, like uh, the biggest question mark we had on both sides of the ball. You know, you can go back and listen to me. I'm sure I said it on your podcast. I do a show with Jack Ebling every week. I've been on other things. Like I've been saying since that Peach Bowl, these, this offensive line is a major question mark. And at their best, I thought they could be as good as they were last year. At their best, you know, yeah. all cylinders firing. So think about what their average might be and think about what a bad day might be. And we saw a bad day there. Uh, I think the backs are solid. You know, I think Jared Broussard was uh, in outer space kind of for most of that game. He he, yeah. he didn't seem to be in the right frame of mind. Um but Jalen Berger, you know, I think has, has proven some things. Has looked pretty good this year. I'm not worried about that position, but they got no help. They they were helpless. They were helpless out there. They had there was nothing that those running backs were going to be able to do with that blocking. I mean, it was it was snap, boom, plays over like right away. No running lanes. Yeah, guys in the backfield, offensive linemen getting pushed into the ball carrier into the backfield. It was it was not good. And as you said, you know, yeah, the two sacks don't don't tell the story at all. Peyton was under duress quite a bit. Right. Um, throughout that one and it's troubling you know uh let me tell you this poor uh kent state i don't actually just close the things before i before i got on here with you but kent state ran for like 140 yards on that team kent state of the map they're a solid they're a pretty good mac team i won't i'll give them that even uh how about this other next week portland state fcs program hasn't had a winning record finished with a winning uh season since 2015 doubled michigan state's rushing output and look you can say the early um deficit and this and that you know they went away from it a little bit but they never had anything going even before the deficit got out going you right know? And, and they're never going to completely go away from it I, I heard a lot of people saying why why is jay johnson calling runs like have you not watched this program for the last two years like they're <laughs> never going to go away from it completely and you can't they're they're not built yeah. to, first of all just go mike leach on them and throw it 60 times they're not built to do that they're not comfortable doing that and, and it's just it's just not you cannot just completely abandon the run in any really offensive system um, that that's, you know, outside of that air raid type of stuff. You have to at least sprinkle it in to keep things interesting. Even if you know you're going to get stuff for no gain, you have to keep sprinkling those in um, or else you're, you're putting yourself, you know, really behind the eight ball. So I don't know what people really thought there. You, you cannot just abandon, you know, can't go, can't go into the second half and say, guys, we're not going to run it once here. We're just going to air it out. Like, and it seemed like everybody in my Twitter mentions wanted that. And I'm like, no, no. You just can't do that. So, but yeah, to to bring it home, um, the offensive line is, until proven otherwise, a major, major, probably, you know, potentially, I guess I'll say crippling concern because I don't see them being able to, you know, it's got to be much better than that to have a shot against anybody decent in the Big Ten. It's got to be much better. And and what they did Saturday, I mean, even pick whoever you think's worst team in the Big Ten. I don't know if if that'll get it done against them. You know, so there's a, as it's a tough deal and it's like i said it validated all of our preseason concerns which i think is you know yeah. disheartening it, on the offensive line and the defense with the secondary the two main things everybody was worried about showed up as major major wards in this game okay well that went even worse than i ever thought it could because usually hey i'll say something maybe it's a little overreactionary maybe it's a little too uh, passionate emotional if you will and then you always kind of bring me back down to earth i didn't think the offensive line Played good, but wow, to hear you say it's a 1 out of 10 jarring and that it wouldn't work against, uh, we'll call them Northwestern for the worst Big Ten team, whatever. Uh, Nebraska, sure. if you will. Uh, oh boy, but you know what? Uh, hey, you don't sugarcoat things, you shoot us straight, and you're not a hot take artist. It's 
truly what you mean. And you are a master of well, grading kind of, you know, the trenches, the, the big boys on the offensive line. Like that's, that's kind of your bread and butter, isn't it? You're, you're a big offensive line guy. If I remember correctly, you've got, uh, you've got to be, I think, you know, but yeah, uh, yeah it just, it is, it's, you learn so much about a team. Uh, to, to, they tell you so much, but and it's just, I guess I don't, I don't set out to be, but think about when I started covering this team again, Matt, 2018, and the, oh. the rash of injuries, you know, every yeah. week, every series was a new five out there for, for yeah. this and that reason. I've just seen so much bad offensive line play. And, uh, you know, last year there was a guy who was able to cover up for some of those mistakes. And basically every other season there really hasn't been, and it's it's affected this program. So uh, they're a long way off from being where they need to be at that position. Um, and it's it's the, it's the hardest position to, to sort of regrow and redevelop, you know, your depth yeah. and everything. You can't just sprinkle some water and – overnight you have something so yeah yeah, i guess i think it's partly a product of just uh of my job you know i i just think that they've under they've underwhelmed uh up front for quite a while now and you've seen some things too so yeah uh there's no wonder why your opinion so respected especially when it comes to offensive line play because yeah you you've weathered a few storms here not not just on your flights home from seattle but uh watching the trenches here in East Lansing here. Uh, Steven, I got some overreactions that I want to bounce off you in the next seven. We're going to start with what's going to go on this Saturday, actually. But first, I just have to say goodbye to you one more time. It pains me to do so, but it brings me joy to talk about the fine folks at AcrePro Midwest Farm Group. That's right. When it comes to land sales, it pays to have experts in your corner. AcrePro Midwest Farm Group are your local farmland specialists. With decades of experience in Corn Belt agriculture, no one knows the market better. Whether you're doing a 1031 exchange, expanding your operation, or selling a row crop farm, your local AcrePro agent will walk the land with you to ensure the deal is done right. And great service is just the beginning. AcrePro provides unparalleled land data, including soil ratings, elevation, flood zones, and land valuations across parcels so that you can get the full picture up front and be confident in the entire land market. Your agent will cater to each of your individual needs and help you navigate the complexities of buying and selling land so that the process is made simple. Experience the ease of AcrePro by working with farmland specialists like Kyle Rule, Brady Hammond, Neil Hur, and Kyle Spray. Visit AcrePro.com or call 765-587-3185 and talk to your local land expert today. Again, 765-587-3185, AcrePro, Midwest Farm Group. And as we welcome back Stephen Brooks for one final segment here on today's show. Hey, thanks again for making us your first watch or listen. Now, Stephen, big game Saturday. It's against Minnesota. Depending on what time of the day you look at a sports book, MSU is either a one-point over or one-point underdog or one-point favorite. Uh, it's going to be a close game in the eyes of Vegas. So, with that said, everything that we saw—bad offensive line play, the defense. Uh oh, um, it's a home game against Minnesota, a team that's played three high school teams so far. Overreaction or proper reaction, Stephen? Is this a must-win game Saturday for Michigan State? I mean, because I, I, I kind of think it is. Uh, it might be. I know. Like a loaded question. It really is a loaded question. I mean, oddly enough, it's not a black and white answer. But I mean, I right. If not for nothing, for the fan base, you need to win this game. You need to win the game for the fan base, at least. Right. Yeah. For the vibes and everything, and then yeah, right. emotional state. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't. That's tough. That I don't know about must win. Like I'm always very, very cautious about those. You know, and then going out to Maryland next week, I might go there. You know, I might say that is if they lose to Minnesota, and then going mm-hmm. out to Maryland and as a big as an East opponent, yep. maybe that is. But um, 
I don't know. I guess I wouldn't say I, w- I guess I, I'm leaning. No, um, very big game, very important game. Sure. But like must win for this or that reason. I, I, it's too early for me to say that, especially in them being a West team. They're a good team. You know, I, I picked them to win the West. So. Yeah, right. We'll on. See what happens and, there. Sure. Um, but there's some concerns of uh, cover you know, as a running back uh, runs physical. Mel said he loves the way they play football today. And, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, Ibrahim's uh, a big part of that. Just bringing that physical element. Uh, they uh, they have an offensive line, you know, especially a, center, a really good center um, that's going to come in and, and try to be what Michigan State wants to be. Uh, Michigan State's still defending the run really well. It's one thing they haven't really given up uh, much at all. So I still think that'll be a nice thing for them. But Tanner Morgan's a six-year quarterback. Say what you will about him, but dude's a veteran uh, who's played a lot of football and is going to see some things, I'm sure, you know, that he can take advantage of in the back end. On the flip side, they just lost their top receiver today. I don't uh, right. I don't have the full guy, guy's full name in front of me. Uh, some alt bell, I want to say. Autumn bell. Uh, Autumn something bell. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sure. Number one receiver for them uh, is out for the year. So obviously uh, that's going to be a plus for Michigan State with them kind of reeling right now. Um, but I mean, yeah, must win. I wouldn't go that far, but okay. I, uh, yeah, got to see this offensive line bounce back if they're capable. But uh, I wouldn't. Yeah. After last week, uh, I got to see it. <laughs> Yeah, and like like the reason I'm in must win mode is okay. Well, first and foremost, you, you guys know me. I, I can get a little jumpy here uh, on this side of the microphone, but also like it, it is what happens after the Minnesota game. If you can't beat Minnesota at Spartan Stadium, okay, we're gonna hit the road to College Park to play Maryland, a team that likes to throw the ball all over the yard. And then you know it's just Ohio State after that, and then Wisconsin after that. So like that's where I start to get a little worried is who's on that back end. And also, if Minnesota does win, okay, that either means one of two things on offense happened for the Gophers is that. Ibrahim did a really good job at running the ball, and now, oh my God, now we're starting to feel not great about the run defense. But also, Stephen Tanner Morgan hasn't thrown for north of 300 yards since week 10 of the 2019 season. You let Tanner Morgan, without his best receiver now, throw the ball all over the yard at Spartan Stadium, it, it's about to be DEFCON 1 uh, <laughs> over here. Um, it's, it's not going to be pretty. So that is why... I'm in must-win now mode. It is week four. I fully understand that. And maybe I'm being a little overreactionary, but, like, I I, I think I can be a little justified maybe. But, hey, you're you're, – You're making sense. You're making sense because I I guess I didn't consider that, uh, you know, what you're looking at of the snowball effect. You know, you go to Maryland, as I said, you know, it's going to be a tough one. But then if you're one and one in these next two or, or, you know, oh and two, obviously, like, then rolling into October is – that's dicey, you know, and things could things could get real uncomfortable there. So, yeah, I think a lot of folks are, you know, recalibrating expectations right now based on what we've seen. And I think that is fair. You know, I picked them to go eight and four, so I don't have to do a ton of, of resetting yet. I know, but I know yeah. there's some people out there saying they're, they're going to go win 10 or 11 this year. And then yeah, they got some things to fix if that, that's going to happen. I guess it's not totally out of the picture, but just based on that evidence against the first like legitimate competition they played all year. There's some real, real uh, pressing issues, I think, going on. No doubt. And, hey, the opposite of a pressing issue here, and this is what we'll end the show on, you know, hey, I'm going to hit people with the left hook of bad news talking about it's a must-win game Saturday, but also, hey, let's talk about this right now. Uh, Overreaction or proper reaction, Stephen? Keon Coleman, day one draft pick in the future? Uh, Let's talk about it. Let's speak it into existence. First of many 100-plus receiving yard game on Saturday and uh, just looked like the guy in – you know, stepping in for obviously Jaden Reed, who's out. Uh, Keon Coleman, day one guy, and if so, are you talking top ten or is he just one one, the first overall guy? Talk to me, Stephen. 
Uh, you're tempting me here. I have to go overreaction for now. Oh. Ask me again at the end of the year, though, or something. Look, okay. you know I'm I'm all aboard this. I've, oh yeah, I've been at the oh, front yeah. of the line on on the Keon chain. Um, you have. I do think this was a very promising thing for him. I mean, he was he was. I mentioned the, him, Thorne, and Barker earlier. He's at the top of that list, though, of terms of just dudes who just kept competing, kept playing, kept trying, kept going yes. hard, and he was their only real option. You know, early on, Barker got involved a little bit more late, but like. Early on, uh, he was the only one able to get them out of a rut there. And that's what you want to see, especially when Jaden Reed, you're, you're, you know, most proven. I don't even know if we can say best. And, you know, for now, we can still say that. But uh, your top, you know, playmaking receiver is out. And it's like, all right, well, we need somebody to make a play. And sure enough, Keon showed up time after time and made plays, moved the ball. Obviously, the touchdown early, you know, when they really needed it, coming back for the ball there. Then goes and gets a two-point conversion. Catches another one later and gets a two-point conversion there. Like, he just – he kept playing – Day one tools, day one measurables, all that. Um, and this yeah. was a step toward becoming that day one pick, I think, for sure. I think this is a game that we'll look back on and say, like, there was an important moment in his development. Again, he was the guy who had to be the guy, and he was for the most part. I'm not going to put all the offensive struggles on him, obviously. Um, there was a lot going on there. But it, when he, when he when when they turned to him, he showed up for the most part on the road uh, in, a, in a tough environment like that. And that place got loud. It was not yeah. – uh, packed to the brim like a, you know I, I think it would have been nice to see but it got loud those overhangs on each side really trapped the noise uh, very well there but yeah it, the dude is is coming into his own this was an important step i think with that last third or third or fourth down whatever it was they threw it to him on the sideline at the end of the game um he walked right off and slammed his helmet down the field and i, I love to see that like the guy was out there competing the game was over but yeah. like the guy was out there trying his his tail off he was competing all the way through and for as much as like you can, you know, marvel at his just physical uh, traits and everything, the measurables, the the leaping, the speed and strength and all of that, I hear time and time again, like this guy's one of the hardest workers they have. And uh, I wouldn't come out here and tout that or anything, like if, if it was just uh, propaganda, but like I hear it from players, from coaches, like from multiple angles consistently that the guy like works to be great. So when you match that natural talent with, that care factor and then compete level, you know, that he showed out there. Um, and I think him slamming the helmet, like it's, it's, uh, I thought it was a, it was a good sign for him. Like the, the dude cares. And so, um, you know, I, I think the, the sky's the limit for him. Absolutely. Day one pick in the cards one day, probably, but just, I just can't go there yet. That's fair. That's fair. But Hey, at the end of the day, we're ending this show on a high note. Keon Coleman has that dog in him, certified oh, by yeah. Dr. Stephen Brooks over here. That's what I'm talking about, man. Uh, Stephen, as always, appreciate your generosity, your knowledge, and more importantly, your time, as you're probably uh, jet-lagged as all hell. Uh, but, hey, man, you're the best. Uh, I love you. The people love you especially. So thank you once again for joining us here on uh, Monday's show, if you're watching on YouTube, Tuesday if you're listening on the podcast. So you're the man, Stephen. Absolutely. Talk to you guys next week. You got it. All right, guys. Hey, you already know we're going to be back tomorrow, the day after that, and the day after that. Keep it tuned here. Locked on Spartans. Enjoy the rest of your week. Love you all. Go Green.